It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Well, Embiid keeps his MVP campaign going with a monster night versus an Eastern Conference rival. Luka Doncic showing why he might be the best show in the NBA right now. And some bad news in Los Angeles as Lakers lose one of their stars for a month. We'll break down all of Thursday's games and the latest news here on Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA. Your daily NBA podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, it's a Friday edition of Locked On NBA, your daily podcast covering all things around the NBA. However, you may be listening on YouTube, Odyssey, or your favorite podcast app. Thank you so much for making Locked On NBA your first listen every day. I'm David Ramil, the co-host of Locked On Heat, and joining me for the first time here on Locked On NBA is Kane Pittman. Host on Bucks, how are you, Kane? I'm doing well. We've podcasted together. Bucks and the Heat have been playoff rivals over the last seasons, but I've never done a locked on NBA podcast. A little bit nervous, a little bit anxious. Uh, should I should I be stressed out about this podcast? No, no. I think the rest <laughs> of the league is uh, rolling into the All Star break, and so is locked on NBA right now. We're the, we're the skeleton crew keeping things going, but that's okay. That's the, that's what we're here for. Uh, we're used to this. As always, you can follow me at Twitter at dramil13. You can follow Kane at Kane Pittman. That's with a K and only one T. Just five games on tonight's slate as the league again glimpse into the All Star break, but some good matchups, including two Eastern Conference contenders, the 76ers, still without James Harden, of course, go into Milwaukee. And they steal a win against the Bucks, mostly because of Joel Embiid. Kane, what were your takeaways from that game? Well, because I think right now most people have three guys. You could say two guys if you want to go just with Jokic and Embiid in terms of the MVP race. But Giannis is hanging around there. He's hanging around there on the periphery. But anytime you get to see those against each other, uh, it is right. it is fun. Have during the Mike Budenholzer era were eight and two against the Sixers coming into this game. So the Sixers were due for a win, but obviously no James Harden. But Embiid had one of those nights where the jump shot was going. He had the step back three going. He was winning the mid-range. He saw a lot of time on Bobby Portis. He saw a lot of time on Serge Ibaka, but no one could really slow him down. Uh, 14 for 21 from the field. Like I said, a lot of them did come on jump shots. So we've seen it all season long with this guy. He's on an absolute tear, but it was fun. It was fun to see Giannis on one end, Joel Embiid on the other end going at it. Yeah, and, and the, the Sixers, correct me if I'm wrong, it felt like they were leading for most of the game, but the Bucks were able to storm their way to a comeback that felt just short. Uh, what happened towards the end of the game? How did the Sixers close the deal for uh, Philadelphia? Pretty bad execution from the Bucks down the stretch in this one. Chris Milton was 2 for 12 from 3. He had a number mm -hmm. of opportunities in the last couple of minutes to knock down one of those threes, and they kept a couple of ill-timed as, as well for the Bucks. So the Sixers, as you pointed to, double digits for a lot of the third quarter, early into the fourth quarter as well. And then you felt like the Bucks were going to have some chances. Giannis was big in the fourth quarter, hit a couple of threes, which you always take 
if if you are a, a fan a fan of the Bucks in the fourth quarter. So he was trying to drag them over the top, but in the end, uh, the Sixers did just hold on. Joel Embiid got to the free throw line a little bit down the stretch, and uh, and they closed out what could be a big win in terms of the standings. We know how bunched up it is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, currently, let's take a look at those standings right now. The Bucks are still fifth in the Eastern Conference. The Sixers right above them by, oh, no, they're tied with the same record. Well, basically the same position in the standings, just a difference of a half game in terms of their overall record. Uh, Sixers holding on to third in the Eastern Conference behind the Bulls and the Heat, who we'll talk about in the second segment there. But was there a vibe as uh, in Milwaukee regarding the need to kind of prove themselves against this team? I mean, because it feels like, Without Harden, this feels like a golden opportunity for Milwaukee to have continued to prove their dominance, to be able to show that they can still knock off a team, especially missing one of their key players. Uh, you know, aside from Joel and B, they didn't really get a dominant performance from anybody other than Tyrese Maxey. Most of his damage coming from the free throw line, going 10 of 10. Uh, Tobias Harris has an okay game, 0 for 4 from three-point range, but 9 of 20 overall for 19 points. He got 18 points from George Niang in the starting lineup. But other than that, it feels like a bit of a wasted opportunity for the Milwaukee Bucks. Is that harsh as an assessment, or is that pretty fair? No, I think that's right. Again, for most of these that are in that sort of bunch, that top six, and you can even and extend that, extend that further. So obviously include Brooklyn. Right. If you do get a, a chance at home against a team that is depleted, and the Bucks had some players out, but the Sixers without James Harden at home, sure. that's a game that you want to win. And I think that there's been a number of these games in recent right. times for the Bucks that they haven't been able to close out. And you're right. I mean, who knows? It's like every matchup in the first round is going to be a challenging one for every team in the East. But maybe right. seeding does matter. Right. Maybe home court matters, and this might be one that they'll look back on and say maybe going into the all-star break that would have been a nice one to pick up yeah uh middleton struggling for the floor two of 12 what was the key there for philadelphia to limit middleton's touches was it just a matter of his shot not falling was there particularly good defense on him or or what did you see there as far as middleton's lack of performance a lot of open looks that that just didn't times sometimes that's the way it goes as you know and it was interesting holiday was the guy that knocked down a few key shots yeah. in the third quarter just to keep the bucks kind of afloat if you get a six night from drew holiday from three you generally take that guy that's a sort of a high 30s mid 30s percent three but middleton's the guy you can normally rely on they got a boost from jordan yeah. war who came into the start grayson allen was out of the out of this one he had 18 points on on twats but we saw it last year in the playoff run that Middleton was the guy that always takes shots. So he's got some credits in the bank, but tonight wasn't one of those nights for him. Yeah, where, where does Embiid rank in your MVP race? I mean, I know you're somewhat biased because of Giannis. And I, look, it's not like he's not a deserving candidate that's just not being talked about. There might be some kind of fatigue around the league. And certainly Nikola Jokic has been doing an incredible job. But I mean, I, I would say that those are probably your top three candidates around the league. Where does Embiid rank in that trio? Yeah, over in Australia, I do stuff with ESPN. So I, I did the, the ESPN straw poll that Tim Bontemps does here, and I think he released that today. And my top three was I had Jokic at the top, then Embiid second, then Giannis third. And I, I think that you can toss it up. If you want to say right now yeah. it's Jokic, you want to say it's Embiid, I don't really have any problem with that. I think it was super close. I think Embiid might have just got that vote. Where do you have uh, your rankings right now? I'd have to say Jokic probably first with Embiid second and Giannis third. I share the same one yeah. as you. It's just what what Nikola Jokic has been able to do there uh, regarding 
a, a team that's gone through so many issues with injuries yeah. and everything else, and, and he's still being able to keep them in contention. It's just phenomenal. And and he's a such an underrated offensive player. And I know there tends to be a little bias against Euro players at times because they're not quite sure, that, you know, the, the reputation of being soft and things of that sort. I mean, you've probably heard it with Giannis for early parts of his career, but at the same time, he's just been phenomenal this season. I, I think he'll probably be a repeat MVP winner this season, and I think deservedly so. But uh, somebody who's not getting enough attention as a potential MVP candidate, that's Luka Doncic. The Dallas Mavericks wrapping up their road trip in New Orleans, taking on the revamped Pelicans. C.J. McCollum did lead that team with 38 points, but who am I kidding? Nobody cares. It's all about Luka Doncic. It's Luka's world, and we're all just living in it. 49 points for Doncic, 17 of 35 from the field, 7 of 14 from three-point range, just 8 of 12 from the free throw line, but that was enough to go along with 15 rebounds and 8 assists. So just shy of the triple-double, but a phenomenal performance. It's just it's hard to put into words. I just saw Luka dominate in the fourth quarter against Miami earlier this week, and Miami led for most of that game. They were a little sloppy towards the end. And then their defense, surprisingly good this season. I don't think anybody had pegged the Mavericks as a defensive powerhouse, but they've been very, very good. And they do just enough. Maxie Kleber comes off the bench, does a very, very good job on the perimeter as well. And uh, Luka just finds a way to pick his spots and to dominate tonight. I, I, it wasn't about picking his spots. He did that against Miami. He did a pretty good job of limiting his touches a couple days ago. But tonight, he was just absolutely dominant, phenomenal performance. What, what, what do you think of Luca's uh, performance tonight and his overall performance this season? Well, it's been interesting to trade deadline because you mentioned Maxi Kleber, and it was almost like Dallas made the decision, okay, well, we're going to be playing small for the rest of this season. This is the way we're going to go. Because right. I guess when he was available, was a pretty uh, valuable defender for this team. You mentioned they've been decent on that end. They've kind of got that Jason Kidd first-year bump. We saw that in Milwaukee back in 2015. But Luca, I was reading some numbers. Yeah. I was reading some numbers when it comes to Luca. So I think this is the third game in his last four that he's had 45 plus. I think he's equaled the franchise record now for most 45 point games in Dallas. And remember how young this guy is. He's in his early 20s as well. It's just absolutely absurd. 25. So he had the 17 males, 25 uh, buckets that he was involved with, if you include the eight or the whole team only had 44 buckets. He, he was involved in absolutely everything, and he had 12 of the 25 free throws. So, yeah, I mean, it's kind of business as usual with Dallas. When they win and when they look good, he just does everything. No one in the league has the ball in their hands more than Luca. But um, it is ridiculous that early, only in his early 20s. Absolutely. Uh, and look, they had a good three-point shooting night from everybody else. Too. Dorian Finney-Smith uh, finished four yeah. or five from three-point range. Jalen Brunson had a nice game, too, with 23 points, including three or four from three-point range. The Mavericks, in total, shot 19 of 40 from behind the arc. That's good for 47.5%. That'll usually win a game for you, <laughs> especially when you're getting a, a pretty strong performance from Luka Doncic there. So he continues his dominance. We'll see how he keeps it going after the All-Star break, but we'll move on and talk a little bit about the Miami Heat, who had a double overtime thriller against the Charlotte Hornets that probably should never have been a double overtime thriller. But first, a reminder that this show is sponsored by Bet Online. Football might be over this season, American football, that is, but basketball is in full steam <laughs> for both pro and college hoops from all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline.net net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs bet online remains the best spot for all of your sports scores podcasts and news this season and it's not just basketball betonline.net is your source for hockey 
boxing and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage and information you're looking for. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making Locked On NBA your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts. Listen to Locked On Now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or watch it on the Locked On NBA YouTube channel. That's probably why you're here checking us out as well. I'm David Ramil, and I'm with Kane Pittman, and we'll move on covering Thursday night's slate of games, including a double overtime thriller in Charlotte where the Miami Heat traveled to Charlotte right before the All-Star break. They started off the first quarter looking like they were going to coast to an easy victory, shot 75% from the field, uh, 15 of 20 overall. were making crisp passes, looked like they were getting a big game from Duncan Robinson, uh, just had a, a more aggressive version of Bam Adebayo. And then, well, they just kind of fell apart. They scored 27 combined points over the next two quarters. Not great. Uh, after scoring 37 in the first quarter, and they got a big performance. The Charlotte did, uh, Hornets did, they, from Kelly Oubre Jr., he wound up having 14 points in the second quarter, wound up distancing themselves away from uh, the Heat. And then in the fourth quarter, Kyle Lowry and Duncan Robinson caught fire to help push Miami uh, to a two-point lead. But then uh, the Hornets were able to tie the game. And then Jimmy Butler took what could only be described as a horrendous shot to end regulation. Uh, nowhere near the basket. I don't know exactly what he was thinking. It's part of Miami's problems all season long is that they go to Jimmy as their obvious closer. And yet his jump shot has not been there for quite some time. Uh, as I'm sure you're fully aware, Kane. Uh, and then in the double overtime period, well, the Heat were able to do just enough. They got some nice stops there. And it really, in the double overtime uh, period itself, they it seemed like they really just wanted the game more. A meaningless game, perhaps, uh, you know, as they're fighting for Eastern Conference supremacy. They're currently the first seed in the Eastern Conference. You want to continue to build your record as, as much as you possibly can. But it felt more like the Hornets just gave up this game and Miami took advantage and found a way to make just the right plays defensively. Again, another big shot from Kyle Lowry to help them. Jimmy Butler actually wound up hitting one of eight free th uh, three-point attempts in the double overtime period. He wound up taking eight total throughout the game, and he hit one finally uh, in double overtime to help seal the win for the Heat. So, uh, again, first in the Eastern Conference, that's pretty much it. It, it seems watching the game, that they were really ready for the All-Star break, as most teams around the league are, uh, but they managed to muster just enough energy in that fourth quarter and overtime to pull away from the Hornets. A game that probably should never have been this close, but it was a good game. It was fun to watch. Uh, what's your takeaway of the Heat? Because I, I think from the periphery, from the outside, it's clear that they're a very good team, but I, I don't know how you feel necessarily uh, regarding 
their chances of being Eastern Conference uh, contenders? Are they dangerous loomers, as the ESPN people would have you believe, or are they a legitimate contender in your opinion? <laughs> Well, I will just say, first of all, you were covered, obviously, for lockdown. I was keeping an eye on it. I looked in the box score, oh, and I asked myself, how could there possibly be a 111-107 game that the Charlotte Hornets involved in that went to double <laughs> overtime? The, the Hornets, if they go to a double overtime game, it's normally 160 to 150. But anyway, you pointed to some of the offensive <laughs> struggles in this game. I mean, I think... Yeah. What everyone understands is any team in the league. There, look at Butler and Larry Tucker and our, our friend in Milwaukee, PJ Tucker, and Bam Adebayo as well. So the question will be offensively. If you are going to a hard set in the last few minutes of the game, you need buckets. A lot of the times that comes in the form of a jump shot. Do you feel comfortable? As you, do you feel comfortable that the Bobby Butler's hands or with Kyle Lowry that they can they can set up for a three? What's the plan? That's the big question for me. But having said that, in a playoff scenario where defenses yeah. normally ramp up, where that can win you games, they're as well positioned as anyone. Yeah. Uh, and, and I should point out, look, they were missing. Caleb Martin has been very good on uh he got converted to a full contract with the Miami Heat. Dwayne Dedman, their backup center. He's provided some positive minutes. And of course, Tyler Hero, who leads the league in uh, off the bench scoring, he was not available as well. So Missing some of their scoring punch, but you still think it's enough. It's not like the Hornets are at full strength either. Miami should have been able to find a way to pull away there. Mostly Jimmy's shooting woes in tonight's game. 5 of 24 overall, like I mentioned. Just 1 of 8 from 3-point range. Not great. I don't know how realistically he would have had those opportunities to shoot the, the, you know, the, the final shot in regulation or at the end of the first overtime period if Tyler had been out there. And maybe they'd never get to that point anyway with Tyler and his ability to create his offense. It's been at another level this, you know, this year. Bam has been more aggressive of late as well, but he's just not a realistic option in closing situations. And, and I keep arguing with Heat fans, like that's the nature of the NBA. You're going to go to your big-time scorer, player, whatever, your leader of your team. That's Jimmy Butler. But it's good to have multiple options. And I think Kyle certainly showed today that he could take over games as well, even at his age. He's still a dominant shooter. He's been shooting really well after missing several games due to personal reasons. He's come back and he's been on a tear from three-point range, including tonight where he finished – Six of 11 from three-point range. So a good game overall from him. But we'll move on to talk a little bit about the Wizards holding off the Brooklyn Nets 117-103. to 103. Of course, they're playing in Brooklyn, so no Kyrie Irving there. Uh, no uh, Kevin Durant, uh, you know, no uh, Ben Simmons either. And yet the, the Wizards were able to get a good performance from uh, Corey Kispert. He wound up having 16 points on four of six shooting from three-point range. 20 points from Rui Hachimura to lead the Wizards. A nice performance from him. I, I'll be honest with you. I didn't really catch much of the game here, but I, I don't know if you saw anything here other than the Nets just, you know, still looking for an identity without one you know, the, some of their key players. Yeah, I saw a, a fair bit of the first half of this game, and it's interesting uh, when you talk about what you take away from this game for the Nets moving forward, it's basically nothing because, as you pointed to, none of the, the star players are out there for the Brooklyn Nets. The thing that I, I found or I continue to find the most interesting with the Brooklyn Nets here over the last week or so since the trade deadline is basically the optimism that seems to be coming out of the Brooklyn camp. Now, uh, of course, uh, the Ben Simmons hasn't played yet. 
We don't know what's going to happen with Kyrie Irving moving forward, but Sarah Kustok was on the call, who was one of the absolute best in the business. But one of the first things I heard was uh, she was calling the game and the Nets were losing and there was lengthy chat about, well, this team is just so connected right now. They love being around each other. Everyone's so happy. Everyone's having a great time. In the post game, my countryman that everyone in Australia is loves, Patty Mills, to the game said that the Brooklyn Nets locker room is a hungry, hungry place. So what I'm trying to figure out, only one guy left this Brooklyn team. There was only one player that left. It was James Harden. So are they just trying to convince themselves that everyone is happier than ever? Or is James Harden literally the most destructive locker room presence in the history of the NBA? Because I have never seen a turnaround <laughs> quite like this. It, it, it's, it's bizarre, right? Like you have to take the, the bad with the good. And obviously... You know, you can't deny Harden's incredible offensive prowess. And yet it just feels like he's such a domineering, you know, just personality in every locker room. And if he doesn't get things just so, uh, then all of a sudden everything goes off kilter, not just for him, but then eventually it winds up pervading throughout the rest of the locker room as well. It brings up a good point. Like I'm a strong believer in chemistry and vibes as good as the on-court production has to be and the talent certainly has to be there. You've got to find that chemistry because I think it does. It doesn't necessarily become the the most important factor, but I think it's an. I think it is a factor, and a lot of teams overlook that. So the fact that they're feeling better about themselves and that they've been able to weather this storm. Obviously, they've lost a number of games lately, but that that they're able to still be able to carry forward with a new identity after the All Star break when they'll get Durant back, and who knows what's going to happen to Irving, as you said. But if they can get some kind of version. Of, of Ben Simmons to the point where he can be a contributor on defense, make plays for each other, uh, you know, for others, teammates and, and be able to just play the version of himself that uh, we've seen so many times in Philadelphia. I still like their chances at contender. I think we're writing them off way too easily just because we broke up this trio, but I think they actually wound up improving significantly. And they also got Andre Drummond in the deal. They got Seth Curry. So now they've made up for the lack of shooting that Joe Harris leaves when his, you know, as he nurses his injury too. So, that's a pretty good team. I like, like you've mentioned before, the Eastern Conference so deep. Uh, I mean, you can throw in Chicago. Obviously, they're not getting nearly enough credit. I think the Cleveland Cavaliers are good too. There's just a number of teams, and and it's going to be a bloodbath in the Eastern Conference playoffs. There, uh, it's gonna it's gonna be really fun. Uh, well, we'll talk a little bit about what's going on in Los Angeles because the Clippers had a big win over the Houston Rockets, and some unfortunate news from Lakers land as they worry about Anthony Davis and his potential return. And now he's going to be missing, uh, reportedly, almost a month of action. But first, just a reminder that this show is brought to you by Built Bar. This is a time of year where most people have probably given up on all their New Year's resolutions, especially if those included trying to eat healthy. But this year, it'll be a lot easier. Why? Because of Built Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar out there. If you haven't tried it right now, you're doing yourself a great disservice. So many great flavors. You probably haven't even tried their new puffs. It's uh, You're missing out because it's uh, protein-infused marshmallows. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. Filled with so many great flavors and covered in 100% real chocolate. So many different flavors to choose from. You can get a mixed box with all of your favorites. Give some out to friends, family, coworker, whoever you like. And keep them all for yourself if you're, you're so inclined. Again, soft, easy to chew. All those great flavors, 100% covered in chocolate with all the protein and nutrients that you might be looking for in a protein bar. Uh, go to built.com right now. Use the promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. Again, use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off, but only if you go to built.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner. And 
Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks, as always, for making Locked On NBA your first listen every day. Make sure to check out Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. I'm David Ramil, and with me is Kane Pittman, the host of Locked On Bucks. And we'll be talking about what's going on in Los Angeles as the Clippers wind up blowing out the Houston Rockets. Let me see if I can pull up this final score here. 142 to 111. Not particularly close there. Uh, obviously no Kawhi Leonard, no Paul George, and they still got some incredible performances from Marquis, uh, Marcus Morris Sr. He had 27 points. He was dialed up from three-point range. Uh, Luke Kennard also shot the ball particularly well. He had 25 points, including eight of nine from three-point range. On the uh, Rockets side of things, they got Jalen Green to chip in 21 points, but it's the Rockets. They're not going to be particularly good this year. They're just kind of treading water. Right now they're only at 50 and 43. The Clippers are still managing to uh, – Find ways to win and, you know, biding time until Kawhi potentially returns. They've got that. They pulled off a, a midseason trade there to get Norman Powell, who wasn't in the lineup tonight. Robert Covington uh, has his, uh, his moments on occasion there. Yeah, you know, I, I watched part of this game, to be honest with you, as I was wrapping up uh, our episode of Locked on Heat. And, you know, my takeaway is that the, the Clippers, they, they still get those some good performances on occasion from key players. I just don't know how seriously I can take them. Uh, you know, until we can see what the final version of this team is once they get Paul George back, once they do get Kawhi Leonard back, if they get him back this season. what Do you have any thoughts on the Clippers? Because, like, I don't know if, like me, uh, it's hard to kind of gauge what version of this team is, you know, seeing as they're so, they're so incomplete at this point in time. Yeah, I mean, every time I turn on a Clippers game, it's just the, a bunch of random role players on the floor and it's not to say that Luke it's not to say Luke Kennard can't have a big scoring night like tonight like he did and Marcus Morris like they're fine players but it's just this isn't the Clippers that they thought that they were so this right. is not the Clippers that everyone expected so as they currently stand if they don't get those guys back they're not going to be scaring Phoenix they're not going to be scaring the Golden State Warriors but if they are one of those lower seeds uh, then it will be problematic. They're, uh, currently, as it stands, there's still one game ahead of the Lakers. I know we'll get to them. So they're in their eighth seed right now. They're pretty comfortably in the play-in mix. They're about five. They're five and a half games ahead of the Spurs in the 11th seed. So uh, I think a lot of credit has to go to Ty Louie. He's able to get these guys. You mentioned he will be a guy that can score and provide some off, and hopefully that, that will be enough for them to pick up some wins uh, moving forward and keep them afloat and keep them in the mix. If they are a team that's in the playing tournament and you have to play the Clippers in a one-off game and all of Paul George is back in the lineup, maybe Kawhi, that seems unlikely. I, I don't know. Yeah, you'd be you wouldn't want to play that team. That is not a team you would want to play yeah. in a one-off game. So that's to me, that's all they're hoping for. Let's just 
hang around, see if we can scrap out enough wins, stay in the mix, get those guys back. Yeah, and they showed they could be dangerous last year in the playoffs too. They challenged some yeah. of those teams. Uh, they had a pretty good run, all things considered. And I mean, when you're missing one of the best players in the NBA and you're still able to do some damage in the playoffs, it shows that you have some uh, intestinal fortitude there. So this team playing loose, uh, no expectations, and still being able to find ways to eke out the occasional victory, still below 500, but you know, capable of making a run late in the second half of the season. We'll see how they respond following the All-Star break. But a player who's going to be missing for the next four weeks, Anthony Davis, as ESPN is reporting that he'll be out at least four weeks after an MRI showed that the Los Angeles Lakers star had a midfoot sprain. That was an announcement from the team on Thursday. Davis suffered the injury in the team's win against the Utah Jazz on Wednesday. What happens now with the Lakers, Kane? Because it's, I think... You know, it's easy to dismiss them. It's easy to make jokes about Russell Westbrook and how badly the team has been built and everything else. But can they find a way to come back? Like, I feel, you know, obviously four weeks is not an incredibly long amount of time. Other teams have been able to withstand missing a key player for a prolonged stretch. But you look at the Lakers and everything feels so tentative with them. Like, you know, we're talking about chemistry and good vibes and all these things. Uh, as hard as those things are to quantify, the Lakers certainly don't have them, uh, you know, at least not on the outside and from all the reports that they're struggling on the inside as well, you know, but it's also not wise to write off perhaps the best uh, player in NBA history in LeBron James, uh, maybe like the Clippers, you know, if they can find a way to get into play in tournament, they're still dangerous. And by that point, you expect that Davis will be close to healthy and, and being able to make a significant impact. You know, obviously there's still questions about the fit and some of their role players and things of that sort, but any team with LeBron James still has to be considered dangerous, wouldn't you say? It feels like what's going to happen is that Russell Westbrook will start to figure it out the next few weeks, then build up around the come back, and they'll have to again fit out right on the eve of the playoffs with a few weeks left. And then there'll be the chemistry issues again. And then they won't be able to figure it out. It just feels that everything's wrong for this team. People are predictable. They haven't been that great. Basically, any lineup combination tried this year that has not been good. Then an 11 without Antivis in the last year, around a 500 team, which is basically where they're at anyway. But the interesting thing for Anthony Davis on the floor this year, Offensive rating of 105.7 with Anthony Davis off the floor. Offensive rating has been better. Davis off the floor. The net rating is better with Anthony Davis off the floor. So none of it really makes sense with the Lakers. If the Lakers are success, Davis might be their player. But it doesn't work out that way. He hasn't had a great season. Nothing's right for the yeah, uh, well said. The, the Lakers, like most teams around the league, limping into the All-Star break. Uh, uh, you know, we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, what, do you have any expectations for the All-Star break as we move on from tonight's games? Like, uh, what would you like to see happen? Uh, any any hot takes? Any uh, big performances that you could see? A breakout performance from a player that maybe we haven't expected uh, regarding the All-Star break? Basically, to the point where you just look for a new guy in the game, but you know what to expect from the guys on the ground. There's a lot of muck in it, and there's not too many people looking at it. I think most people get the dunk on these and think that 
it's not all that so you're not getting any names in that either so uh it'll be the same for ages every weekend been through about what i'm watching every second of it so that's that's my prediction i'll be i'll be on <laughs> the couch watching every second of it really thinking to myself that's not all that <laughs> well I'll, I'll actually be in cleveland uh Trying to see uh, what can happen there. Trying to to hold my own against the tide of all the different events and all the chaos of an All Star Weekend. It's a it's a fun time. It's also an exhausting process, not just for players but for media members as well. But it should be fun. I'm looking forward to it and uh, gladly representing the Locked On Podcast Network. And thanks to all of you for watching today's show and for subscribing to Locked On NBA. Make sure to continue to do so wherever you get podcasts and also on the YouTube channel. Make sure to also subscribe to Locked On Bucks and Locked On Heat so you can get the best coverage available on those two respective teams. Make sure to follow Kane Pittman on Twitter at Kane Pittman and you can follow me at DRamil13 on Twitter. That'll do it for tonight's episode. We'll have regular shows moving forward uh, covering the All-Star Game and much, much more next week despite the break in play you'll still be able to get all the great coverage that you're expecting here on Locked on NBA. Prime members. 
You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.